understand the next time you play your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Meet Us at Molly's. As always, I am one of your hosts. My name is Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. And Miss Ashley. Hi. So tonight we're going to take a trip back down memory lane and we are going to cover the pilot episode of Chicago Fire. We're so excited because <laughs> one of us, cough, cough, Ashley, has never seen the episode. Well, she has now, obviously, but before that, she'd never seen it. So we're so excited to walk down memory lane. It's going to be a pretty good episode tonight. So as always, before we touch on the episode, we like to jump into the news. And the news was a little jumbled this week. Like there wasn't much of it, but there was. It's weird. I don't know. So the first bit of news that we had is that Chicago PD has been picked up by Fox stations for a fall 2018 broadcast syndication launch. This is really good news. It's a little hard to describe because, you know, the NBC networks just picked up PD for syndication. So like Oxygen, USA, yeah, NBC, not NBC Sports, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so now the Fox stations have picked it up as well. And... I just looked for some of the Fox stations and really all I got were like the local affiliates. So I don't know if maybe Fox is going to air them at like two in the morning or what, but this is still good news. It said during the day, Monday through Friday. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like, I think they, I think Fox also has picked up things like Modern Family in the past. And I know like sometimes if you turn it on at like, six like between when they air their stuff at like seven and like the news and stuff like they play it then so like yeah I think they're I think it'll be on like pretty much like a lot of times but it I'm excited because I like watching yeah between that and oxygen and USA and all that I mean it'll be a fairly decent stream of PD episodes whenever when wherever so yeah that'll be nice they're gonna be making a lot of money them actors because don't they get paid for every time a rerun comes back on i uh, I, uh, maybe. i'd assume they get a small part of it but yeah i don't know for sure but that's a good point mm-hmm. that's pretty cool I, i'm i'm half wondering though like why is it just pd why hasn't fire gotten in on this indication yet right you would think that fire would have started this because fire was the first one and fire was on a good season and a half before pd even started like airing episodes just in general so yeah i'm kind of surprised by that i don't know there's like a certain threshold of seasons or episode number, like or episodes that like you have to hit before you're good for syndication. And I'm trying to think what that is. I used to know the number and now I don't. But well, PD would have just I mean, PD's at like what started with like 80 something this season, like before they started airing season um, whatever we're in. Five. five. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I also think. Now that you say it, maybe it's because PD, I don't know, but P, it, P, Fire is also a procedural. I was going to say, like, I guess PD just kind of follows more along the lines of, like, typical, like, cop dramas and, like, like investigative things like CSI that typically do run in syndication. But Fire is just as much, like, a procedural. So I don't know. I'm, it's a mystery. 
But, you know, not that we're complaining. This is awesome oh, that no, TV's yeah. been down on reruns. But, you know, it would be cool if Fire got in on it, too. So we also got episode descriptions for PD, Med, and Fire. That's awesome. So, Ashley, you're the one who takes us through the episode description. <laughs> so take it away. <laughs> okay. Chicago PD 511 is called Confidential. And Bur- it's a Burgess episode, it seems like. So Burgess works with her first criminal informant to track down a ruthless pimp and break up his prostitution ring. While trying to find the pimp, Intelligence stumbles on a woman's shelter where he's scouting out girls, and Burgess moves the case forward with a series of confidentiality tips, but risks putting her informant in harm's way. So it sounds to me like Burgess is going to go full Burgess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sounds like it'll be good, though. I'm just curious. I'm very curious to see about this informant. Because, like, I don't know, but description kind <coughs> of, I guess. So is he, he did, he's a criminal and now he's helping? I don't know. I'm very confused by this, but. I think that's what they're all called as criminal informants. Like, CI. Uh, I think that's, uh, yeah. I think they're all called okay. CIs. Yeah. Okay. Never mind, then. Like, you, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, Burgess is going to go all Burgess, and that's, you know, that'll be good. And it'll be good to see her interact with the CI. Yeah, it'll be good. That'll be interesting. Yeah, so, Ashley, what about Med? Uh, 506 of Med. Mm, 306, 306. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> okay, 506. We're jumping through time. <laughs> that was my fault. My bad. The ties that bind. Uh, Ethan attempts to diagnose a man with no symptoms while Sarah's paranoia goes to the extreme when she uses pepper spray on an aggressive patient. And Will treats a young couple willing to sacrifice anything in order to have a baby. Natalie must inform a woman that she was sterilized as a young girl without knowledge. And Maggie and Goodwin devise a way to persuade paramedics to bring in more patients. Okay, so... I feel like our episode recapping that episode is going to be us screaming about Sarah being like, we've been saying it for weeks that she needs help, but no, don't listen to us. I was thinking the exact same thing when I was like typing out the episode description. Yeah. The fact that it's didn't go on for like two more episodes at least. Ooh. I don't know how yeah. I feel about that. <laughs> Just, it, yeah, it's going to be a trip. Yeah. Ooh. Also, very two things. Very curious to see what links Will goes to to help this young couple. I feel like that could be a very – it could go downhill for Will very easily. Like, you know, be just like a very Will case. Um, also, very curious to see how Maggie and Goodwin go about devising this way to persuade paramedics to bring in more patients. That should be interesting. That, that's got to be a budget thing, right? Yeah, I don't think so. That sounds weird. I don't know. I also thought paramedics, I mean, like, I guess, yes, they have a choice in, like, if they think this hospital's closer, but I really thought that had, like, that was kind of the bottom line of where a patient went was, like, okay, this is the address, whatever the closest hospital is, like, that's where they go. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Hmm. And lastly, Ashley, tell us about fire. Okay, Chicago Fire 608 is called The Whole Point of Being Roommates. After saving a young girl, Dawson is forced to make a tough decision when she finds out the girl's father is addicted to painkillers. 
Herman loses his control, his cool, and gets into an altercation with a police officer after responding to a call. Otis and Cruz are on a mission to find out who Brett is dating, and Bowden is skeptical when Donna's brother Julian unexpectedly comes to town. Interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, all of these sound really interesting. It's like the only gist of it, so... I'm so ready for the shows to come back. It really feels like I know it's only been like a week for Med, but it feels like so long. Yeah, well, because for Fire, it's been like almost a month and a half at this point. It's crazy. It's been eighty-four years. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's been forever since Fire. At least, so I mean, two weeks from we're recording on Wednesday, so two weeks from Wednesday. I mean, this Wednesday we'll have seen Med's episode, first episode back, and we'll get be watch getting ready to watch PD. So, yeah. So that'll be good. It just feels like so long. So alongside these episode descriptions, we also got the promotional photos for Chicago Med season three, episode five, not six. Six is the one we just talked about, but five is the one before that. And Chicago PD season five, episode 11. So the promo photos for Med, they're not that telling. I mean, it's pretty much everything we've seen from the photo or the photo, the promo that, you know, this girl has a virus and Will, like, catches it or something. I mean, it's nothing too telling. Yeah. Um, the only thing telling in the promo pics for 511 is that Ruzik is still around. Thank God. And, like, in, like, uni- not uniform, not, like, full dress blues, but, like, wearing, like, the, pull- the bulletproof vest, like, clearly still being a police officer. Yes. Thank God. And there was another bit today. The uh, promo photos and the sneak peeks for PD Season 5, Episode 10 also dropped. And Uh, I think one for Meg came out, too. Ooh, that must have been, like, a late edition. I didn't see that. I haven't seen seen any of it yet. check, but make sure I'm correct. But I think one came out from Meg. I didn't watch it, though. So yeah, while you're checking on that, um, I will mention, yeah, I checked out the uh, promo, the sneak peeks in the promo photos for 510, and Ruzik is in those as well. And in one of the sneak peeks, they're talking about the case, and Jay is going to go back undercover or whatever, and at the very, very end of it, Voight calls Adam into his office, and then it just, like, fades to black. So. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. But he's still around, and that gives us hope. I'm really surprised they show, like, the sneak peeks and the promo photos that they've shown, like, have him in it. I know. Because, like, if you pay any attention to that stuff, then, like, you're kind of spoiled. Because, like, you know. Like, I mean, I guess you don't know how it happens and, like, how it plays out. But, like, you know. Yeah, and they don't... They like to mess with us. Like, they don't want us to know the answers to these things before they air. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay, glad... Okay, there is a sneak peek for Matt. It's Will in the hospital bed. Oh, sweet oh. baby Will. I know. <laughs> Poor baby. He's not going to handle that well at all. No. He's going to, yeah. You know what I was thinking about the other day? And, I mean, this is probably me just, like, overthinking things because that's what I do. Hi, I'm Gina. Have we met? Um, (laughs) You remember on, uh, you remember Fire Season 4, Episode 4, when Dawson lost the baby? It's, like, a sore subject. But 
uh, when that before that episode aired, I was like rage texting one of my friends, and because I mean that episode ended where she just collapsed, and I was like, "This is some bullshit. What the hell is this?" <laughs> and I texted her, and I was like on a string of like angry messages, and I was like, "You know what? I bet they're not even gonna call Antonio." And she was like, "Go to bed." <laughs> <laughs> but I bet that's what's gonna happen on Met. I'm gonna be like, "Nobody's gonna call Jay," and they're not. No, they're gonna. Yeah, he's not in the episode description, so. He's not in the episode description, is he? Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. No, they're gonna let Natalie deal with it because they're together now. Yeah, she was in that sneak peek. So, do Jay and Will even talk anymore now that Jay is on his spiral? Like, <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> damn it! <laughs> things we want to know. These are things that nobody else thinks of but us. Yep. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I'll have to watch those med sneak peeks later. So that's about all the news we had. As always, you know, if you see something, please tweet it to us. There's only three of us, you know, there's three of us and a whole internet out there. So we <laughs> could miss something. So, you know, if you see something, something, please tweet it to us. Meet us at Molly's. You know the deal. So without further ado, I think it's time to walk back down memory lane. And cover the pilot. What do you yes. think? Yes. Yes. Let's go back to where this entire franchise all started. Yes. So Derek Haas was nice enough to answer a handful of questions for us about the pilot. And so we've kind of interspersed his answers throughout the outline. So, I mean, we'll just jump right off the bat before we even get into the episode itself. We, the first thing we wanted to know was, you know, how basically how was Chicago Fire born? How did it come about? How, you know, who came up with the concept first? Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, so I'll just read exactly what he said. So he said to us, he said, you know, Michael and his agent, Mike, um, said that NBC wanted to do a show about firefighting. He said, we didn't know Dick Wolf or anyone at NBC. We made a deal to write the pilot without having the story idea. We did say we needed to do some research and to put us on a plane to Chicago. Then we spent three of the next four weeks in Chicago doing ride-alongs with the CFD. At the end of that, we met with Dick and told him our ideas for the pilot. He said, great. (laughs) So (laughs) I think it was Dick who came up with the whole franchise in Chicago because I know he loves the city. So I think Dick is the one who decided on Chicago, but that's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't Yeah, I guess, like, I'm rereading this. Like, yeah, I guess if NBC wanted to do a show about firefighting, then Dick is the one that's like, hey, like, why don't we make it in Chicago? And that's how this whole thing, yeah. I wish I had the sort of job where I could be like, fly me to Chicago. Yeah, like, I, like, yeah, I want to go do research in Chicago. That's so cool. Well, I remember maybe a year or two ago, and Derek's probably listening to this. Hey, Derek, hope you're having a happy holiday. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know if you remember when... He made that movie with Scott Eastwood. I don't think I was like in the a, fandom at that time. So, no, I don't remember that. This wasn't that long ago, but I think there there was – it was, like, a similar situation where somebody flew him out to France to, like, him and Brant to come up with this movie idea. And he came up with this car movie that Scott Eastwood starred in. Yeah, I don't know. Derek's probably listening to this right now like, you know nothing, young Gina, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, that's pretty cool. Being a writer is probably like the best job ever. Yeah, probably. So cool. But yeah, like we said, we've interspersed his answers throughout the outline here. So, you know, we'll touch on those as we go. So opening scene of the pilot right off the bat, we meet 51 on their way to a call. 
So they're all getting ready and they get in the fire house or the fire trucks and they're off. And so the firehouse whizzes by and cue the sweeping view of downtown Chicago, just in case you didn't know where we were. Yeah, but I think it's also kind of cool like that they start off with that like sweeping view of the Chicago skyline because everyone always talks about like when they talk about like what is it like to film in Chicago? You know, they're always talking about how Chicago is such Like, it is the main character of the show. And I think that's established right from the get-go with this pilot. So I think, like, it's true. Like, Chicago is the main character of these shows. And if you've never been to Chicago, oh my god, go. It's the best. I love that city so much. It's the best. So we cut inside the fire truck, and there is somebody by the name of Andy Darden goofing off in the back seat. (laughs) He's got, like, a gas mask on his head or something. And it's, like, sideways, too. It's not even, like, obviously put on properly. And it's still kind of funny. Like, Oh, it's funny. Yeah. And he just is like, guys, how do I look? It's still kind of <laughs> funny. I don't know. Like, some people I would just be like, shut up. And that one I'm like, <laughs> <Cute>. <laughs> So we kind of get the vibe that Darden's, like, the class clown because that's exactly what Casey says. And Casey gets over the radio and he's like, hey, Severide, how soon till you can take Darden off my hands? And Severide shoots back and he's like, Andy makes squad the day that I'm no longer in charge. So this is the first Severide and Casey exchange we've ever seen. So I just want to like put it on the record that they are friends before any of this shit goes down. Yeah, they are friends before any of the shit goes down. You were right. So don't give me any of this. They started off as enemies crap because no. <laughs> they were yes. buddies. For three minutes, they were friends. Let me live, Brenna. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the call and it's a house fire where this woman's brother is stuck in the attic. Is that what happens? I mean, like, I kind of always just like gloss over that part. I'm just like, oh, house fire. Okay, great. And then obviously it's like, we all know what happens to Darden, but, like, that's what, like, the whole... I just remember it as it being this, like, what happens to Darden, like, rather than, like, what actually happened in this call. I didn't even realize there was anything that happened in this call. I mean, I always gloss over the first time I watch it, and then the second time is when I pay attention to the details, and I'm like, damn, self, you really suck at listening. <laughs> yeah, clearly I've, you know, I don't even know how many times I've seen the Chicago Fire pilot, but clearly I've glossed over that every time until now. I know. I feel like I'm on like a whole new level of understanding with this pilot now because I, I watched it like three times in prep for this episode. So <laughs> Squad takes the back, but not before Severide bets Casey a case of beer that they find the guy first. Just, you know, casually sitting, you know, betting on saving guys' lives, you know, over beer. This is like, th- this version of Severide in the pilot is something special. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get more into that later. But Casey tells them to vent the back, which turns out to be a crucial piece of information. Just kind of tuck that away in your brain for later. So uh, Casey turns around and he asks, you said Darden, right, Brenna? That's what I think it is. Yeah, I think it's Darden. Or I don't think he's, yeah, I think it's Darden. So the first thing out of Casey's mouth, he goes, was Severide always such a cocky prick? And Hadley or Darden, whoever it is, says only since kindergarten. The only reason I say I think it's Darden is just because, like, since later on in, like, season, I think it's season one. Yeah, it has to be season one. Like, you know, we learned that Severide, like, had played such a part in, like, influencing Darden to, like, become a firefighter. That would, it would only make sense that they've known each other since kindergarten. Hmm. 
that's why I think that is the way it is. But I don't know. I could be wrong. It's like a mystery. Um, I'll have to go back and watch. But um, Ashley, let's go to you for a little bit, Miss. I've never seen the pilot. So what what do you think of Darden? I mean, he's okay, I guess. <laughs> I like him. It's so weird. I, I've never seen this before. And, like, watching it for the first time and seeing how, like, young they look back then, it's, like, so crazy to think it's been, like, five years since the show started. Yeah, they're all babies. That's another thing that's, like, pretty they're amazing. They're literal like, babies. Aw. It's so funny. And it's like throughout the episode, you were like, oh, look at the baby. Especially <laughs> Taylor Kinney and Jesse Spencer. Like, mm-hmm. they especially, like, it's so noticeable that they were such babies then. Yeah, and I will say this, though, is in the pilot, and maybe throughout the rest of season one, I can't remember, um, Severide's got, like, he's, like, extra scruffy. He's got, like, the, you know, the facial hair and, like, the, the dark hair going on. And it makes his eyes pop like anybody who knows me knows that i am a fangirl for taylor kenny's eyes because again hi i have no shame and so he's got this like extra scruff and his eyes are so blue i did notice that because of course I did. he was also really tan back then yeah. yeah taylor you've gotten pale what the hell happened not that like yeah he's not pale but like he was much tanner then <laughs> so yeah so casey tells severide to vent and that's about that. So Severide opens the back door, which is not the same as venting. We'll get into that because I did some research today because I was bored. So uh, Severide doesn't vent. He just opens the back door. And meanwhile, around the other side of the house, Darden busts the glass anyway. So I want everybody to kind of like jot this down in their memory for like Chicago Fire trivia. Just kind of, you know, note this that, you know, the next time Casey and Severide fight about this, it's not that it was one of their faults. Darden just didn't listen. It's not like, I mean, he, you know, yeah, Darden didn't listen. And, like, I don't think Casey told him not, didn't tell him not to bust the glass, but he did tell him not to go in. I don't think he yeah, said, I think don't, bl- Casey- don't bust the glass. I think he just said, hey, don't go in there until we get it all clear that it's been vented. But Darden yeah. did it anyway. Yeah, I think he said wait, and it was already too late, and he had already busted the glass. And then he was like, oh, we're good. I'm like, oh, but you're not. No, but you're not. But nope. you're not. Nope. So Severide didn't vent, and, you know, it just, it's just not good. So Darden goes in, because, again, he didn't listen. The door, sh- the door slams shut. All the smoke sucks back through the vent, and this fireball kind of starts from the bottom of the house and moves all the way up. And it kind of, like, vaporizes Darden, like, sci-fi movie style. If you look closely, you see the fireball, like, overcome him. But then you see, like, his outline in the fireball. It's like, yeah, it's like the Matrix or something. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, Casey, like, ducks his head. And he's just like, holy shit, that was crazy. And that's the teaser. (laughs) Yup. Yeah. And I, like, remember I was texting you. I was like, wait, they, like, really did this. They, like, killed somebody off within, like, the first three minutes of the episode. <laughs> yeah, and we were like, oh, oh. Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, innocent <laughs> Ashley. Episode, somebody died. Well, and it's crazy. funny you bring that up because, like, you <clears throat> talk about, like, what is the point of someone dying? So I always kind of had the question of, like, 
was so I and I one of the questions we asked Derek was I said you know was killing Darden off in the first few minutes part of the way the pilot was always envisioned I said so like for example like was having the audience get to know him and then kill him off in the last few minutes of pilot of the pilot like every idea that was discussed and he said <clears throat> he said no we originally started the pilot with Mills walking up the apron and into the squad and truck tension. He said, after we shot the pilot and the series was picked up, we went back and shot a new teaser. So my question off of this is, so is he saying that the entire Darden storyline never happened in that, like, Casey and Severide, I almost forgot his name for a second, uh, Casey <laughs> and Severide were just, like, fighting with each other? Or is he just saying that we would have never actually seen Darden being killed? I, I don't, that's interesting. Maybe they had a different reason for the tension. I don't know. But it's interesting to think that, like, Darden, who is, like, such a pivotal part of just this entire thing starting, and, like, such a pivotal part of these characters' lives that we, like, know and love, you know, with Casey and Severide and Bowden and just, like, everybody, that, like, that almost could have not been a thing. You know what? Now that I think about it, so... I know I bring it up like every single time we do a podcast, but like, hi, I'm a huge nerd and I love scripts. And I found a PDF of the pilot script a long time ago. And I think I've told you guys about it because there's some interesting stuff in there. Um, Let me see if maybe this is it. But I remember in that pilot draft, I remember, A, it was very, very different from the pilot that we saw. And B, they hated each other off the bat. And I don't think there was a mention of Darden. Now that I think about it. A la Derek's if... answer. I know. Well, and do you guys remember the scene that I sent you from this random draft? Because it's it's something. Let me see. Kind of. It's been a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I found it. I found it. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. I'm a big nerd. I just search the internet a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, th- there was nothing in there about Darden. It was just they hated each other right off the bat. But we'll, um, we'll discuss the, 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 the scene that I sent you guys a while back because it has to do with Shay and it is something. So, anyway, moving on. Sorry, I got off track. And so, let's see. There's actually a funny story about this whole Darden thing, which is why in these early drafts, I'm like, they didn't. Oh, wait, no, there is a mention of Darden here. So maybe he did die. Okay, sorry. I'm all over the place. Go research. Yeah. Sorry. I know. I don't know. I mean, that was just a thought. Like, I just, from that thing, I just kind of made it seem that, like, oh, well, maybe it could have been, like, they got rid of, like, the Darden storyline as a whole, like, was never a thing. But I guess that makes sense that, like, that's why they would have been fighting. But that was just, but yeah. So, but just, yeah. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. Go on. Yeah. It's just, it's interesting it's interesting hearing about the process that went into this pilot. Like, how did we get to this point, you know? Right, and especially just because that is such a pivotal scene and such an iconic scene in the pilot, like, seeing Darden die like that. And to think that that was kind of like an after they had shot the entire pilot and then they went back and shot that. Like, that's crazy. I think that that was yeah. almost never something we saw. Well, and the whole story about... there's There's more to the story than just this character named Darden. So... There was a story that came out maybe a year or two ago. Um, Derek and Michael Brandt are fellow Texans. Hey. And Derek went to Baylor, as did Brandt, now that I think about it. And so there was an article that came out from Baylor talking about, you know, their 
their careers and what they've done as alumni since. And it turns out that Robert Darden is the professor who taught their screenwriting class at Baylor. And so they kind of pay homage to him and everything they write together by naming a character Darden and eventually killing him off. It's kind of like a satirical like homage to their professor. That's cool. Funny. Isn't that great? And weird, but cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it makes me want to go back and watch uh, Too Fast, Too Furious just to see if anything about that is like, do they actually name somebody Darden and like kill them off? But that's, I just, yeah, that's a funny little like tidbit of information. I love that. So we jump forward and it's now one month later. And so Casey cleans out Darden's locker and Vargas, hey, there's a name we haven't heard in weird, <laughs> weird years. We- <laughs> haven't even been drinking, guys. <laughs> Brian, a talk. Obviously, I can't. <laughs> yeah. So Casey, <laughs> Casey's cleaning out Darden's locker and Vargas is like, what are you doing, Lieutenant? And he's like, he's like, I can't stand to look at this anymore. And he puts all of Darden's stuff in a box and, like, takes the tape off and sticks it on the box. And Vargas is like, oh, yeah, Heather might, like, you know, want that. And then, that, like, that's pretty much the scene. But we wanted to ask Derek about Vargas because, you know, if you remember, he only stuck around for, like, a handful of episodes. So we asked Derek, you know, if that was always the intent for Vargas to be around for just those couple of episodes. And Derek told us that, you know, we would have had Vargas around for longer, um, but basically it was a budget thing. So the budget was tight and he was an actor that they had to fly in from L.A. And so it was a very difficult decision to let him go. You know, and Derek said, you know, he's terrific, but that it was basically just because of budget cuts that they, he got let go and that Vargas' story was written the way it was. And Vargas' story, actually, you're going to see this like as you go. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's very. It gets really heartbreaking really fast, right? For having him being around for you know like seven ish episodes, like it's heartbreaking and it's very emotional and unexpected. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo that. I, I remember. I can like imagine these first three seasons are going to pull at my heartstrings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can already tell. What episode are you on now? Like three or four, I think. Oh, so much to go. I know, so much. (laughs) So much to go, so much suffering, so much awesome. Oh, Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Season one, man, it's a trip. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting, the whole thing about Vargas, real quick, I'm going to throw this in there, that like, I didn't realize this, I guess something I just didn't realize about the acting industry, that like, actors that aren't, that don't make the choice to like, move, like, why couldn't he have just moved to Chicago? Like, I don't understand. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why did they have to fly him in from L.A.? Like, I don't know. I'm just so confused. Maybe he has a family. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I feel like actors sometimes, though, don't they move for, like, temporarily? And then they, like, can go back? Like, I don't know. There's just so many thoughts. I'm like, why? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. The whole, like, Hollywood lifestyle, I don't know why, but it's something I'm, like, so fascinated with. Like, I just want to know everything. Right. And I just, like, it doesn't make sense. You know, like, everyone else that is on the show, like, moved to Chicago to be on these shows. I don't know. I'm I'm so confused. (laughs) So many things that I want to know. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a mystery. Now I'm like, I want to know. But, yeah, so... Casey goes to see Bowden. And before we get into specifics here, I just want to kind of note that 
Bowden is going to fight and drop a cop against the policeman who slept with his second wife. Just, I want to note that because, yeah. So two things. I totally forgot that Battle of the Badges was a thing before when I, Jimmy, fought against Antonio. (laughs) (laughs) I also totally forgot that Bowden was married not once, but (laughs) twice before Donna. Yeah, his second wife is the one um, with the, where he has the, like, stepson from. Yeah, I I totally forgot he had two previous wives. Yeah, Donna's number three. So, you know what they say, third time's the charm. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Oh, we love Donna. We love her so much. So... So, yeah, and of course I lost my train of thought. We are so scatterbrained tonight. We're not even drinking. What is happening? I don't know. I know. So I love how this pilot tries to present Bowden as like this big burly badass guy. And he's just, he's just Bowden. Like, that's not him at all. Yeah, it's funny. It's, yeah, now that you say that, yeah, they do try to present him like that. But he really has a heart of gold. He does. So... Bowden pulls Casey and Severide into the office and he just tells them, like, this animosity between you has got to stop. And they swear that they're fine, which is a big fat lie. And it basically sets the number one rule of Chicago Fire into motion. Actually, it's the whole, it's the number one rule of One Chicago. Anybody who says they're fine is absolutely not fine. It's just rules. So, meanwhile... We cut to the outside and sweet, adorable baby Peter Mills is walking up to 51 for the very first time. Peter Mills. Peter Mills. I know. We miss him so much. Oh, my God. He's so cute. And so he's cute and like it all look at the puppy kind of way. So he walks up to Cruz. Cruz gives him a very <laughs> brief tour and he turns to the squad and he's like, these are the rescue squad a-holes. That's kind of funny. I thought that was pretty funny. So he introduces Mills to Otis and Otis is giving a tour of the firehouse to a bunch of little kids. So Otis finds out he's the new candidate and is like, great. And just walks away and puts Mills on the tour. Yeah. I mean, does anyone seem to care that apparently the newbie is giving a tour to a bunch of kiddos and literally could say anything about firefighting that he wanted to? He could be like, oh, yeah, this is the pass alarm. It, you know, it shocks your heart and is what makes you die. Like, you know, like he could just say anything that he wanted to. <laughs> That's really like, dark. They, I mean, but like, he could, I mean, that was just the first thing that I thought because he talked about the pass alarm. But <laughs> he could literally say anything that he wanted to and they would believe him. But like, they don't. Nobody thinks that's concerning that they're going to let the newbie take, I don't know, whatever. I'd I never little, thought I'd of care. it that way. I just thought it was like newbie hazing. But that's interesting now that you bring that up. I just think it's funny. Literally, he's been there for five minutes and they're already turning it over. Mainly because Otis doesn't want to be the candidate anymore. So he's just like, oh, it's your turn now. But like, you know, you don't want to even introduce all everyone to ever, you know, to him before you give him a tour. I don't know. I just think it like. I'd have a little more concern for that, but. And now I'm trying to remember or trying to imagine really uh, Jimmy giving a tour when he was like the new candidate. He would have been so awkward. Just like. Right. If he had, if he say that they had, you know, let him stay after he got dropped off with all the tape and stuff after like that whole day, like that same day, if they had let him stick around, like literally two seconds later, they're like, hey, Jimmy, go give a tour. No. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Very true. Very true. So 
from there, we go to Dawson and Shay's very first call. Oh, my God. I know. Okay, Brian, I'm going to turn this over to you. But before I do so, Ashley, since you missed the first two seasons, you never experienced Shay. What was your like? What were your first impressions of Shay here? I like her. I like her character. Yes, go on. <laughs> I mean, I like the character. She seems like a good character. I like her and Dawson's um, partnership. They're pretty great. They're pretty great. They're they're an epic uh, bro TP. So, yeah. Brenda, take us through this call. Yeah, so Dawson and Shay are riding along and they get this call and they show up. I guess it's like an apartment cl- complex or whatever. Um, this guy named Ricky's been shot and he swears. He's like, I shot the other guy in, you know, the head. He, you know, he didn't get away, blah, 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 blah. And the police are in the hall and um, they're like, you know, we think we found him upstairs and they and Gabby's like, yeah, we'll be fine. Um, or no, the police ask, he's like, are you guys gonna be fine? And she's like, yeah. And so then he leaves. So they're with this injured guy who has a gun with no police presence whatsoever. But anyway, this guy is not gone. You know, the guy that Ricky swears he shot. He's actually in the closet. He jumps out kind of, well, he walks out. He doesn't jump out, but he walks out. Um, and he's shot in the head. Ricky's right. He did shoot him in the head. And he's got his gun pulled at Dawson and Shay. And, you know, he threatens to shoot them or whatever. And Gabby's like, yo, listen, we don't, you know, we just want to help you guys. You. Um, and so finally she convinces him to put the gun down so that, you know, she can look at his head. And then as soon as he puts the gun down, turns out the police have come back downstairs and end up arresting him. Um, and as they're walking out with Ricky on the, um, why can't I think of, oh, the gurney. Um, the police is like, Gabriella, what can I say? And she's like, say, you'll check the closet next time. It's so good. It is so good. And I love how, you know, there's always a big difference between a pilot and the rest of the series in a character's demeanor and things like that. Just because, you know, I get it. They've got to kind of like drive it home. But Gabby is so consistent from the pilot through, through where we are now in season six. I love it. Like, yeah. yeah, she's been going all Gabby Dawson since her very first scene in one Chicago history. It's the best. So take us through the next part, too. Um, okay, yeah. So then we go back to 51, and I don't know who came in and said something to Casey, but somebody says, you know, hey, the new candidate's out here. And so Casey heads out to meet Mills, and Mills is explaining the pass alarm, which is what I was just talking about. And the pass alarm is, you know, we've all heard it, seen it go off a bunch of times now. But if you don't know what it is, it's when a firefighter is totally still for 18 seconds, the alarm's going to go off until he moves again. And it's basically a way for everyone else to know where this firefighter is and try to find them. Um, And then somebody, isn't it that a kid asks a question about squad? Like, how does Mill start fangirling over squad? I don't remember how that, like, happens. Though we he just, just kind of mentions that this firehouse is the best because it's got a oh, squad. That's it. It's right. and then he starts going right. on and fangirling over it with hard eyes. Yeah, and so and then one of the kids is like, "Oh, like, are you on going to be on squad?" And he's like, "One day." Um, and then Kate and Severed have this 
back and forth about truck versus squad. And Casey says, and this is how it goes. Casey goes, last to show, first to go. That's the rescue squad. And Severide goes, kids, you should know that they make rescue helmets extra big to fit their heads inside. And then Casey goes, um, no. No, this was Severide. Severide goes, there are two types of firefighters. Those on squad and those who wish they were on squad. And then Casey says, you know, he wants you, then you can have him. And this might be my favorite exchange in the entire pilot. See, I don't like it when mommy and daddy fight. But it's, I mean, yes, I don't like it when they fight, but it's such a good exchange. Like the back and forth and just like the timing of everything is, it's, it's so well done. It's really Yeah, fun. and poor Mills is like, this is awkward. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. He's like, I don't so know what to think. Mills He's is- like, I'm on truck. Go and ahead. then... Yeah, he's like, I don't, I'm on truck, but like, I want to be on squad. And like, he doesn't obviously know anything about Darden or anything like that. So he's just kind of thrown into it. But yeah. So funny. So he's standing there all awkwardly and he is saved by the bell because a call comes in. So they all gear up. They're on their way to the call. And inside the truck, Casey is just kind of prepping him. And he's like, you know, don't ask until you know all the details you know, shadow mouch, which is not something you hear very often, you know, um, stay cool, do this, that. And then he ends it and he says, don't be a crow. Okay. Not Casey's not really one known for like metaphors. So it's odd. So we roll up to the car or the call and it's a car accident on a bridge. And there's a mom and a daughter and they're trapped in the first car. And on the second car, the windshield is peeled back and the driver of the second car is MIA. It was kind of head on. So, like, they're right against the Brit. It's weird. I don't know. So, thankfully, this isn't one of those calls where I'm like, but I need to know how this happened. I don't really care. So, (laughs) basically, the windshield's peeled back here. And Mouch takes one look at it and immediately is like, the other driver's in the water. Okay, wait a second. Hold on. There are, like, a million other explanations for where the other driver might be. And this is, like, the exact opposite of what Casey told Mills to do to, like, know all the details of the situation before you act. So I thought that was kind of amusing just because he just went from, like, I don't know. It was a total, like, jump to conclusions. Just like, oh, he's in the water. But, no, wait, no. there, Wait. <laughs> like, that's not right. I don't know. I would have assumed, like, Mouch, like, just based on the way the fact that, like, the windshield was pulled back like that, that, like, someone would have gone through it. So, like, I don't know. Like, I understand, like, obviously jumping to conclusions is bad, especially in this line of business. But, like, I also would have thought that 99% it was true that he went, like, through the windshield and into the water. Yeah, just interesting. I don't know. But, like, the windshield was peeled back and wouldn't he have gone through it? And just uh, this is the part where, Brian, you usually say, Gina, you're overthinking it. I, You know, that's how I just... (laughs) You know, whatever. But yeah, just oh, Mouch. And so a lot of things happen at once here. So Dawson climbs into the car with the little girl because, of course, she does because Dawson is going to Dawson. Severide and some random dude named Houston, they go in the water. But it looks like Tony. I think it was just Tony before it was Tony. Oh, yeah. I need to go back and look at that. That might have been Tony. Yeah. I think it was Tony and they just, like, didn't, like they actually had like a character name for him that wasn't his real I don't know but that's my thing I think it's actually Tony unless Houston is Tony's last name and they just never told us mm. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <Mind blown. laughs> 
So a gas leak from the second car ignites. And, you know, again, Dawson's in the car just cool as a cucumber. She's like, whatever. It's just a gas leak. No big deal. And Mills spots the driver amongst the crowd. So Mills football tackles the guy because that is definitely in line with Casey's advice. And they cancel the dive and Bowden gives Mouch this like wicked side eye. So yeah, so in the ambo, they're taking the little girl to Lakeshore, not Med. And the little girl is bleeding into the bag around her heart. So Dawson, Dawson tries to evacuate the blood and oh shit, she hit the heart. Yeah, so... And this is another moment of Dawson being all Dawson because Shay's like, she's got a minute and a half. And Dawson's like, she doesn't have a minute and a half. And Shay tells her to wait. And she goes, pull over the damn rig now. I was like, oh, Gabby, I love you. (laughs) So great. So they get to Lakeshore because maybe Med just wasn't built yet. Yeah, Med was not a thing then. Yeah, it just wasn't built yet. So Lakeshore (laughs) blew up the first time then. No, I think it was me. I really think because that's in season two of Fire. Technically, it's in season one of PD. Season two. I thought something blew up in season one. No, it Maybe blew I'm up. Thinking of PD, it blows up in season one of PD and season two of Fire, and then it blows up again in season three of Fire, which is the backdoor pilot for Ned. Because Chicago Med is a very safe place. <laughs> I don't blame Sarah for being paranoid. <laughs> right? I, yeah, that's why I'm like, dude, I get it. Like, I'd be terrified. So at Lakeshore, the doctor who meets them, you know, Gabby tells them what they did. And the doctor, he's like, you hit a needle with a girl's heart. Like, let's hope you didn't kill her in the process. And Dawson's just like, mm. Whatever. I'm Gabby. I'm awesome. And so... We go back to 51 and Otis asks if he can have his real name back now that there's a new candidate. So it turns out he's on elevators. And so because he's on elevators, his name remains Otis. So during our live tweet last week, I because I was wondering about this. I was like, does this stand for something? Is this like, what what's the deal with this nickname? And somebody responded and said, Otis is an elevator company. So I Googled because that's what I do. And it turns out Otis is the world's largest manufacturer of people moving products, to be exact. So it's like a massive elevator company. Apparently. But it also, it's funny, it took me until this scene to figure out what they meant by elevators. Like, I didn't realize, I didn't really know what that meant until, like, this episode, like, this last rewatch. I was like, oh, that's what being on elevators means. I got it. Like, fixing elevators that get stuck, right? No, it's like making sure. So when, so when we'll talk about this, like when they go to the apartment complex or whatever, like and you see Otis at the elevator, like they're trying to look and they're like, why does the elevator like keep like, like why is it stuck somewhere? And then they find out that like the girls in the like trapped in there. So I'm assuming it's like checking the elevators to make sure like no one's on it like in the middle of a fire, because you can't be on elevators during fire because fi- elevators don't work during fires. That was my guess. I don't know if that's actually true or not. It's a mystery. But that was my guess because that, like, we actually saw Otis do something with elevators, and that was what it was at the end of the episode. So then I kind of just assumed that's what what it was. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like the person who checks the elevators during fires, since you're not supposed to be on elevators, and elevators don't work during fires. 
Right, so he's like the elevator specialist. Yes, is my guess. And I, so I guess then, I guess they give it to like every candidate then since like every, because Otis makes it sound like every candidate is called Otis. So maybe they're just like all put on elevators as like a hazing thing. I don't know. But then why have we not seen, I don't know. But then, I'm like, okay, why? then I had a whole nother set of thoughts with this. Was because, okay, he's Otis and he's on elevators for presumably the first half. But then he starts driving. So, like, he, his role changes. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. I know. Like, so many questions. Unless he's, like, driving and he's on elevators. I feel like my guess is, <laughs> my guess here is that, like, he started on elevators, but then he was, like, kind of so good at it that they just kept him. But didn't he kind of switch? Okay, so when Cruz is no longer on truck, this is, like, way too into the, like, thing. <laughs> but when Cruz is, since Cruz is no longer on truck, somebody's got to do the aerial. So didn't Otis start doing the aerial? I believe so. <laughs> so then he can't be <laughs> So then he can't be on Y'all are, like, confusing me to the max right now. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> We're just like theorizing about Otis's role in Truck 81. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so we have a pretty funny exchange here where Casey asks Herman what Otis's real name is and Herman doesn't know it. Brent, I know you thought this was hilarious during it's the live so tweet. Funny. It's yeah, Herman's like well, yeah, because Casey, like, Herman just walks by and Casey's like, yo, Herman, what's this guy's real name? And Herman's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's funny. So this is where Otis tells us, you know, his real name is actually Brian Svonicek. And another fun fact here is that Brian Svonicek is a real person. He is, he was a college friend of Derek and Michael Brandt's. My mind is blown. I did not know that. Derek posted about it like years and years and years ago, and I have a crazy memory where I remember useless details like that. Not that that's useless, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so I just remember these details. So yeah, um, Otis does, or Herman doesn't know Otis's real name, and you know Zvondachuk's a real person. Crazy. So then from there we cut to Severide being an asshole, and not only is he being an asshole, he's being a shirtless asshole because of course he's shirtless. Because of course he. Why? Not that I don't appreciate it, because Taylor Kenny looks great in this scene. But why does he have to be shirtless to confront Casey? That's all I'm saying. Because it's because it's the pilot, and like in the pilot, everybody kind of has to be like an extra version of themselves. Well, and they're also, I think, trying to establish the, like, sexiness of firefighting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is something they kind of abandon quickly after this pilot. Yeah. They're like, oh, great. We want to, you know, bring viewers in with, like, sexy guys doing sexy things and firefighting. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to family. We're going with this theme of family. <laughs> now that we got you, we're going nowhere near all the sexy firefighters. <laughs> So, because, yeah, in this pilot alone, we get shirtless, shirtless Severide, shirtless Casey, and even, like, a millisecond of shirtless Bowden. It's like... Wait, we got yeah. shirtless? Huh. I think, yeah, we For, did. like, a nanosecond. Huh. Weird. I, yeah, and I noticed that. I was like, it's only the guys who they're doing this to, which is yep. not something you see very often. 
Yep. Interesting. Anyway, so Severide, shirtless Severide, he walks up and he, the first thing he says, he goes, guy in the water. How about a guy with his head up his ass? Kelly Severide, how dare you? For real. And that's technically directed towards Mouch. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's sad. It is sad. And so, you know, they exchange words back and forth until Bowden reminds them, them being Casey Severide, the rest of the firehouse, and Severide's abs. Um, you know, he reminds <laughs> them, like, they all lost Darden. And so he says, you know, that's not changing, so maybe we should. And so, yeah, because that scene, like, they cut to everybody in the firehouse, and you just see, like, Severide, but then, like, his abs are, like, glowing. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> they tried so hard to, like, push this on us in the pilot of like firefighters well, like he just came out of sexy one well, like he just came out of the water so like he's drying off with a towel and he's you know like his hair is still wet and like they they're really pushing it in that scene they really are this is such an extra version of severide but like i'm not complaining because it's funny no it's great it's oh, very so much appreciated so the other thing that happens in this scene is that Bowden says that he will fight, and I quote, that Dick Olmstead who slept with his wife. Oh, we see what you did there, writers. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Matt Olmstead was showrunner, producer? He was a big wig. And now I'm blanking on his position. I'm so sorry if any of you guys are listening. But, uh, yeah, he was, like, pretty big on the show until maybe last season or two seasons ago. So I see what you did there. That was funny. I think he was a producer. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Yeah, he was a producer. So Casey meets Heather Darden outside and we get our first mention of Hallie. So. Oh, boy. I know. Oh, boy. Right. And so, you know, he's like Heather's like talking about, you know, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And Heather's like me, you and Hallie should get margaritas. So Hallie reference number one. Wait. Okay. Before we move on from this scene, Ashley, before the pilot. Did you know anything about Heather Darden? Did you know she was a character? No. Oh, boy. Wait till season two. (laughs) Oh, wait till the beginning of season two. Okay, never mind. I I was just curious if you knew that, like, she was a thing. Okay, continue. That escalates very quickly. Yes, it does. What are the kids' names? It's Griffin and... Ben. Ben! There we go. I couldn't remember the second kid's name, so, yeah. Also, Ashley, um... Well, no, we'll get to that in a second because we haven't met Hallie yet. So, yeah, first Hallie reference. And then we go inside the firehouse and Shay pulls Severide around a corner and hands him a tiny bottle, which he then proceeds to inject into his enormous bicep because you guys were all thinking it and I just said it. So there. I remember being when I saw this the first time, I remember being like kind of like shocked by this, like being like, oh. Okay, clearly something was going to be happening with Seth. Like, clearly Severide was going to have a storyline, but I don't think I saw it being drugs. Yeah. And I was confused. I was like, why is he doing this? Like, what is he doing? Look, I didn't get it, but... Oh, you'll find out. Yeah, I'll keep watching. <laughs> you'll find out. And then there's, like, a magic fix, but you'll see. Oh, yep. So... <laughs> you also haven't seen... The BFF ship that is Shay and Severide yet. Ashley, just, I can't believe you, I still can't believe you've never experienced Shay and Severide. I know. It's, it's. I think from like the first three episodes, they do seem like a good friendship. 
Oh my god, they're the best. They are the best. They're the best. I was gonna say eventually. I was gonna say she's the only woman in Chicago that he like hasn't slept with, but I'll just stay quiet. Yeah. Because there's more to that story. So Let's see. And so, yeah, so they're about to leave for shift. And before Casey leaves, he checks on Dawson because, of course, he does. So she invites Casey and Hallie to a place called Buzzards. Where the fuck is that? What is that? (laughs) I mean, I guess it's the place they used to go before Molly's was a thing. Because, like, there is a bar that, like, they show a little bit throughout the first season that, like, isn't clearly Molly's. Yeah, so no, I guess very it's true. Gotta be it, but I've never like they don't refer to it as buzzards. I don't think any time besides this one time. So funny. She said buzzards, and I Molly's was like, "Molly's coming around." End season, of season one, right? End of season one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she invites Casey and Hallie to buzzards, and Casey's like, mm, "We have a date night thing." You are a liar, Matt Casey, but okay. (laughs) And so now we're off shift. And so basically what we see, we see Herman getting evicted. They kind of like, I mean, they don't gloss over it, but they kind of gloss over it. But like, this is super depressing. But David Eigenberg killed it. He did. And there's, I feel like there was more to the story that we didn't see. Yeah. And I mean, like, we kind of see a little bit throughout the first couple episodes of season one. Like, they show us like them living at, I guess it's Cindy's parents' house. Um, Mm -hmm. but they never really bring up again that, like, he was evicted. Like, they just, like, kind of show him in this, like, house. I don't know. It's weird. I think, I remember they tried to, they tried to press that on us throughout the first season or two that, like, Herman was always big into making side money through investments that, like, always went wrong. Because he wanted to buy another house so he can get out of living with his parent, like, in-laws. But they never say it's like, oh, yeah, like, they didn't always live with the in-laws, it's just because they got evicted. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there was more to that story. Yeah, and I think it's kind of clear that, like, they want, because David Eigenberg is so good, they wanted to give him, like, something. Um, And I'm glad they did, because, but yeah, super depressing, but he killed it. Indeed. Uh, Brenda, take us through this next scene with Casey. Yeah, so we see Casey living in his bachelor pad, but, like, my question has always been, is this a place that, like, he just now bought and is remodeling? It, I'm assuming it is, I don't, is, know. Right? I don't remember. Because it's, like, half under construction. Anyway, so he's, like, doing some construction work because we all know Casey does construction as his side gig. Um, and he's eating pizza out of a mini fridge because he's living his best life. <laughs> um, oh, sweet baby bachelor Casey. It's the and- best. And Hallie comes in, you know, with breakfast. And, but she actually then shows, like, the real reason that she's there. And she immediately takes off her engagement ring and just, like, drops it on the table. Like, could you let the man down some coffee first? Like, that's ice cold. Yeah. Um, And so she's like, I just want to, like, she's like, are we still, basically, like, are we still engaged? And Matt's like, he says, he's like, I'd marry you tomorrow, Hallie, if I knew we wanted the same things. He's such a sweet little cinnamon roll in season one. And I forgot about this. Like, in the Hallie days, he's just the sweetest little thing that you just want to, like, put in your pocket and protect. He is the complete opposite of Captain Casey. He really is. Yeah. But so it's basically the things that he's talking about, like, 
thinks that they're not on the same page about his kids. Like, he really wants kids. Like, literally from this first scene, like, he's clear about the fact that he wants kids. And Hallie is just starting her residency. So she's got at least another, like, four or five years before she can even, like, becomes an actual doctor. And then, obviously, she's going to want to be in her career for a little bit before she even thinks about having kids. And so she's not there yet. Um, So that is the things they're, like, fighting about is kids. Do y'all want my opinion on her? Yes. Uh, Absolutely. That's what we were going to (laughs) ask. I don't like her. Go on. Is that like a good thing or a bad thing? Am I supposed to like her? I don't think it's not like crucial. She's just. She just dies a horrible death. Yeah. I Um, feel sympathy for her because she dies a horrible death. She dies a really horrible death. Like it's brutal. Mm Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But, the, yeah, she's... Just, I mean, but you also, like... I won't say this. It'll spoil it for you. Just wait till you get there. I want to know what you were going to say. But, yeah, just... <laughs> I, yeah, I was kind of indifferent towards her. Well, no, maybe... I, well... I'll just say this. Yeah. I won't say... I'll just say this. You don't get... You know, yes, she's a main part of season one, but there is a part where, like, she's not around. So, like, you don't, like, really get a whole lot of a chance to, like, form an opinion about her. Personally, I think. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. So. And then she dies a horrible death. But I also think it's clear <laughs> because, like, once people kind of started seeing, like, in other scenes that, like, Casey and Dawson clearly liked each other and, like, that was going to be a thing later on. Like, maybe people thought that it would be a love triangle. But, like, I think it was clear that, like, it was always going to be Dawson. Like, Dawson was always going to be a thing. So I don't think people maybe necessarily hated Hallie just because, you know, it was never, she was never the girl. And that's always been clear. Yeah. And it was made pretty clear. Yeah. Yo, Brenna, who had the worst or who had the more brutal death, Hallie or Nadia? (sighs) Nadia, because we actually love Nadia and we wanted Nadia to stick around. Hallie's was pretty bad, no matter how you felt about her, though. Yes. Wait, it's up there with Nadia? That's, like, horrible. Yes. That, it's up there. I think if we're talking about maybe exactly how she died, it might be Hallie. Like, for, like, pure execution style. Like, how it was executed. But impact-wise, Nadia. Well, yeah, impact-wise, yes. But in terms of method, yeah, I might say Hallie had a worse death. Uh, just fine. Yeah, um... It's up there, Ashley. Just wait. It's up there. Just wait. It's up what there. episode is this? It's like and it's towards the end of season one. Yeah, I think it's like two episodes oh, before the one. finale of season one. I want to say it's called Leader's Lead. Why do I remember that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't but know. That's what I want to say the episode title is. <laughs> I don't know. The but yeah, it's like the last. Hold on it's to. like the last like two or three episodes of season one. Yeah. Oh, okay, I have a ways to go. Yeah. Yes, but it's up there. So moving on. So we go back to the firehouse and this is probably the most iconic scene in fire history. So Dawson tells Mills that he should ask out Shay. And so he does. Oh, sweet little Peter Mills. So innocent. So naive. So innocent. So naive. So adorable. So Mills walks up to the Ambo. He's like, hey, want to get a beer sometime? And Shay goes, Peter Mills, are you gay? And he's like, no. And she's like, because I am. You guys, it never gets old. It's so fucking good. Five years later, and I'm still laughing. Like, it's so great. Yeah. Ashley, thoughts here? 
I loved that scene. So that was great. so good. So, of course, we had to ask Derek about this one because it's just the best. So, you know, we asked him, we said, the Peter Mills, are you gay scene? It's iconic because it's a very bold way for a character to communicate to everybody that she is, in fact, gay. And so, you know, we asked him about the decision making process that went into Shay's sexual orientation. And we also asked, you know, why haven't we seen another gay character in the Chicago universe? And so Derek said... When we did the initial ride-alongs, we went with Michelle Martinez and her partner, Margaret, on the ambulance. Michelle is straight and Margaret is gay, and they were hilarious together. So he says, that's where we got the idea to have that pairing. And then he says, there's no reason why we haven't had a lead LGBTQ character since. I'm proud of the work I did writing Shay and would happily create another character. Derek absolutely should be proud of the work he did with Shay because Shay was fantastic. For real. Also, Shay is based on a real person. Why didn't we know this? I don't know, but that's great. And it's cool to think that, like, the Gabby and Shay friendship is based on, like, a real friendship. I love that. I love that. I want to know more about these two. Yeah. Like, how are they similar to Gabby and Shay? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. I love that. That's crazy. I don't think I don't think we ever knew that before this, that they were based on a real pair. Yeah, I don't think we did either. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it so much. So Shay drops that line on Mills. Everybody's laughing. And then Bowden comes out and asks Dawson and Shay what happened in the Ambo. So they go inside and talk about it. And Gabby is just Gabby. And she's like, this was happening. She was dying. So we pulled over the rig and I did what I had to do. I was like, oh, consistently Gabby since 2012. Mm-hmm. The best. So then we cut to the main. It's not the bullpen, but it's like the common room. Is that what we call it? Does it have a name? I don't know. So the common room. K- Casey is cooking. There's something we haven't seen in like ever. What? Yeah. Huh? Have we seen him cook since? Somebody tweeted to us that apparently he was cooking recently, but I don't remember that. Because, like, when I hear of the cooks in the firehouse, I think of Gabby. Mills. I think of Mills and Brett. See, I just even straight think of Mills because it was such a, like, crucial part to his character. Um, Just, like, the whole, like, cooking and food background. But, yeah. Never Casey. It's interesting. So Casey cooks. And everybody comes in and Severide grabs an orange. This is Severide's like teenage girl moment of the episode. (laughs) So Casey follows him outside and this is where we see Severide smoking a cigar. Now, Brynett, tell me, is this the first cigar shot in fire history or does it only count if it's the two of them? You know, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like legitimately, I've been thinking a lot about this. I don't know. I still don't know how to classify it because, yes, it is technically a cigar chat. Severide is smoking a cigar and they are chatting. So, like, by definition, (laughs) it is is a cigar chat. But I think I'm not going to count it just because, like, when I think of cigar chats, I think about, like, happy, like, bro TP, like, Casey and Severide and, like, talking about life and, like, their girl problems and, like, all that stuff. So, like... I don't think it's the first cigar chat, but by definition, it is the first cigar chat. What if we count it as half a cigar chat? Yeah, we can count it as half a cigar chat. So, yeah, because this this isn't them being bros. This is them still bickering about what happened with Darden. So, 
Casey's like, you should have been to the back. And Severide's like, we're the rescue squad. We don't vent. And he says, you shouldn't have put Darden through the window. Friendly reminder, Darden put himself through the window. Yep. Nobody's fault. And so, of course, from there, I got curious. And so I had to look shit up because I do. Again, nobody was in my office today. I was bored, okay? (laughs) So I looked all of this up. Firefighters vent the roof to prevent against backdraft and or flashover. And they vent the roof because fire and smoke rise. So one of the things I was wondering here, because Severide kicks in the back door, right? And I was like, doesn't that count as venting? It doesn't because they always cut it from the roof because fire and smoke go up. So I guess with the back door, there was really nowhere for it to go. It was just going to kind of hang out and hover by the ceiling. Yes. But also, if they, they're firefighters. So why did they say go vent through the back? Like, why wouldn't somebody be on the aerial going to the roof? Very true. I literally just thought about that. <laughs> Poor Ashley's like, here they go again. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. It's so, like, our interesting information that y'all are talking about. <laughs> here we go into our theorizing about. I'm learning a lot of stuff tonight. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I looked up the difference between overdraft and flashover. Like, I learned I a lot about today, to okay? I was what that, the difference was. Oh, dude, it's so cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> and a flashover is when the fire produces so much energy that, like, it produces energy and the energy makes the temperature rise, which makes everything catch fire. Isn't that so cool? <laughs> it makes everything catch fire, like, simultaneously. It sounds like a cool science experiment, okay? <laughs> and then backdraft is, I think, what happened to Darden. It's when the room gets, like, a sudden influx of oxygen and okay. it makes everything just go crazy. And I think that's what happened they to have Darden. A, they, have, they have that happen a lot in, like, different fires. Yeah. Okay. Backdraft is also the name of a really bad firefighter movie from, like, the 80s or 90s. And it's got somebody who used to play football. That's all I remember. I don't know. Whatever. I learned a lot on the internet today, okay? <laughs> no, I was just talking about the movie reference. I'm too young for that shit. Uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, and so basically the scene ends and Sephiroth's like, I don't have to explain myself to you. I sleep like a baby. Damn. Liar. That is like harsh. Like, we've never seen Sephiroth be that harsh. He's such an exaggerated version of himself. He's like he like I feel like Severide these days is like covertly an asshole. He's just like out and out bluntly an asshole in this pilot. Yeah. He really is an asshole. Just so funny. So later on we find out that the mayor is supposed to come visit at nine, but Bowden is boxing and drop a cop in ten minutes. Question. Can I like how you just raised your hand. None of you could see that, but Brian just raised her hand. Yes, Question. go ahead. Um how can Bowden get off shift for this? Like, no one's covering Bowden. No. But Bowden's going to go box. I know. It's, it's a mystery. Oh, yeah. Things I have questions about that aren't actually important. But, like, how can Bowden get off shift? Why isn't someone covering him? Like, what is happening? That's very true. And I didn't think of that until you just brought it up. I'm like, that's pretty obvious, too. Because as we're getting ready to talk about, like, I mean you know, truck goes and watches the fight. Like, they have to, like, take the truck and, like, sit on the ladder and whatever. Like, they can't actually go in, but, like, they sit there. And so, like, clearly they're on shift. So, like, I don't know. I just have so many questions. 
That's interesting. So Casey just decides they're like, screw the mayor. We're just going to go watch the fight because Casey don't give a fuck. So they go to the fight and they rig up the ladder so that they watch the fight from the ladder through the window. It's awesome. So funny. And so Otis does play by play over the radio. Was I the only person thinking of mouth in this moment from Wintry Hill? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I just I need you more just, Otis doing yeah. play by play. It was so good. So funny. And so while this is happening down at the base of the ladder, you know, Mills is there, Casey's there, whatever. Casey sits down with Mouch and Casey says, you know, I can't keep making excuses for you. And we got a DM from Rachel about this. And Rachel said, I'm guessing this was a dropped storyline. But did we ever find out what that was about? We didn't. I asked the same thing during our live tweet. And I feel like it has to be a dropped storyline. Yeah, I think so, too, because we never got any more about that. Nope. Season one does that a lot, though, because I think season one is just them trying to find their footing. And so, like, you'll notice this, Ashley. They bounce a lot from, like, storyline to storyline. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, going back and forth. But I think it's just because in season one they're trying to find their footing. Right. And they're trying to establish characters that people love and, like, yeah. So, yeah. And they're dealing with the whole – I mean, like, they deal with the whole basically an entire season worth of a storyline in Voight that then sets up PD. So they're basically sitting... Well, I did get to those episodes where Voight comes in. Right. But, like, it goes on for, like, a lot of season one. And so, like, they're basically taking almost all of season one to, A, establish their own their own show, but then almost establish a character that they end up spinning off for an entirely different show. Yeah, because Voight recurs throughout a lot of season one. But then I think towards the end of season one is then they were like, let's explore this spinoff. But when that happened, they were like, oh, shit, wait, we have to make Voight likable. Yeah. And so they had to just kind of like do a 360, but yeah, yeah. Season one is entertaining. Well, we're going to talk about it when we do our. We can talk about it tomorrow with our PD pilot recap. I had to think about it yet tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. So yeah, they're watching the fight, and then another call comes in. Dun dun dun. So we roll up to this fire. It's a huge building fire because these huge building fires only seem to happen at night. Notice that. Yeah. So, Casey kind of deploys the team. Otis is on elevators. Cruz and Mills go to vent the roof. And Casey and Herman go to the top and work their way down. So Bowden shows up in the Bowden mobile and he's still in his fight gear. Like biceps out, like wife beater on, like red <laughs> Battle of the Badges shirt. This yeah. Is so not the Bowden we know now. But it's clearly so he's fantastic. on shift, which is why I asked. Like clearly he's on shift. So. Are Casey and Severi just operating on them by themselves for the, like, two hours he's supposed to be gone? Like, why is no one covering him? It's a fair question because, yeah, like, what, what was he going to do if a call came in during while he was fighting? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, dude, just take the day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Bowden rolls up. And, you know, biceps out and everything. And he's, like, putting on his fire jacket. He's like, what do we know? And <laughs> Mouch gives him the update. And Mouch is like, yeah, Casey and Herman are starting from the top and going down. And so Bowden's like, no, no. Like, the, the smoke has gone black, so they need to go up. I didn't get the chance to research what that means. Lucky for you guys. So, they, yeah, so Casey and Herman need to go down. Oh, yeah, because they're going up to the top. Casey and Herman need to go down instead. So they actually do end up going down because the floor collapses underneath them. So the act ends with the floor collapsing and we hear the pass alarms and fade to commercial. Because. Yep. 
This is the first time that fire, like, made us panic. So, squad arrives finally. Because remember, squad was back at 51. And they arrive, and Severide gets out, and blah, blah, blah. And so, Severide basically ends up rappelling down to Casey and Herman. Like, it's totally no big deal. But something I do want to touch on here is that, you know... It's the pilot, so they're trying to drive it home, you know, who each character is. I get that they started out trying to make Severide a jackass, but something that's consistent with him that they've kept till this day is his confidence, and I love that. That's, like, one of my favorite things about him is his confidence and his abilities. Yeah. Because when he gets out of the truck, Bowden's like, listen, we've got two trapped. It's Casey and Herman. Handle this. And he just looks at him. He's like, we'll get him. Yeah. so confident. That's, like, one of my absolute favorite things about Severide. That's one attribute about him that I'm glad they kept. Yes, agree with that. Everything you said, 100%. So, yeah, Severide repels down because, you know, he's Severide. No big deal. Um, Pulls Casey up and then they turn Herman over and Herman's mask is shattered. It's bad news. So they rig up a harness. They get Herman out first and then they have their first ever bro moment. So good. So good. So they get Herman out and then they immediately are like, wait, we're bros. Let's get out of this together. So they like push a bunch of chairs off a table. They climb up and then like Casey gives Severide a boost. And then no other way around. Sorry. Severide gives Casey a boost. And then Casey reaches back down for him. So Severide grabs onto Casey. And then, of course, the table collapses underneath him because, you know, and so the best moment, though, is like, the next thing that happens is, like, Casey's struggling to get Severide up since the table underneath Severide has collapsed. And Mouch rushes over, and he's like, I've got you, Lieutenant. And, like, cue all the tears. Especially on rewatch mode. Cue all the tears. They're such a family. So Casey's kind of dangling there with Severide for a while. And then like Brenda says, Mouch returns. And then the rest of Truck finally shows up like in the nick of time because somebody we know, Cough Cough Casey, has no upper body strength. So they pull, yeah, they pull Casey or they pull Severide up. All is good. Um, and they finally get back outside. So and this is like by the by this point, once they're all out, Casey and Severide are like, arguing over Darden? What arguing over Darden? We're bros. It's the best. So then Gabby and Shay treat Herman because Herman got hurt in the fire. And this is what I found really sweet in this scene is how Herman's like half out of it. And he just keeps saying, like, I'm okay, I'm okay," And Shay's like, yeah, you're okay," Just kind of like keeping him calm, like sweet. And so they take Herman to Lakeshore, not Med. I have to like note that every time. Mental note. So (laughs) Casey, Casey kind of debriefs and he asks Bowden about Herman. And then he tells Mills that he did a good job. And then we turn around and the actual mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, gets out of a car and shows up. I totally forgot he made a cameo in the pilot. Did you remember that? Yeah, I did. But, like, that's a big get for the first, like, a pilot. It really is. Like, the actual mayor of Chicago. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, We also asked Derek, one of the questions we asked him was, like, if he has a dream guest star. Uh, Bryna, do you want to take us through that one? Yeah. Um, yeah. So he said his dream guest star is Brad Pitt. Go for it. And then he said, you know, we asked, is there anyone, like, you've thought of casting or, like, had them come in for audition, but, like, they never got the role. And he said, you know, they've been pretty selective with the big roles, and he said he can't think of anyone who they wanted and they didn't get. Brad Pitt. What role would Brad Pitt have on this show? Oh, God. I don't know. I have no idea. He's got to be someone getting saved. 
He's got to be someone yeah. who'd be sa- getting saved. Yeah. What is Brad now Pitt up to like... nowadays? I can't even picture yeah. what he looks like anymore. That's also a fair question. You don't hear nothing about him. Yeah. Isn't he in the middle of a divorce? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. No, that's Brad. That's um, somebody else. Isn't it? No, but aren't Brad, yeah, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are getting a divorce though. Let's Google this. Oh, they are? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I don't know somebody Pitt. else. Jennifer is it oh, Jennifer? there another famous Brad that you can Yeah, Brad is so close. I'm like blanking. I'm thinking about Jennifer Gardner and um Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck? Maybe. Okay, well, this yeah, Google search so, is maybe. going horribly, so whatever. <laughs> anyway, Brad Pitt on fire. Okay, I'm going to contemplate that. <laughs> so the next morning at 51, Casey comes out conveniently wrapped in a towel because, of course. So he and Dawson talk, and Dawson's like, yeah, they're starting a file on me, whatever. And so Casey basically invites her to join him at the hospital when he checks on Herman to check on the little girl, too, because these two just hmm. so gabby asks him gabby's like what do you know and casey goes i know that we can't lose another one cue the tears right right oh these sweet little babies so mills walks into bowden's office and bowden's shirtless too shirtless firefighters everywhere oh for yes, like a second though where, yeah 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 so they also clue us in here bowden's got some like crazy scars on his back i guess from like years of firefighting well, we never revisit that yes we do he got his scars in the same fire that killed peter mills's father that the guy from that killed shay set oh yeah they do revisit that in season three you've been re-watching your early seasons you know these things I mean, it's been a couple oh, weeks yeah. now, but yes. I and that was a crossover episode, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a crossover yeah. episode, but it's in season three of Fire and two of... It's yeah, the one where Gish. Gabby ends up trapped in the elevator. Yes, Gish. Adrian Gish. Yes. That guy's crazy. And creepy. So, basically, we get clarification on the crow story here. So, a crow wanted to be a peacock, so we put on a bunch of feathers and he went to hang out with the peacocks. The peacocks rejected him, so he went back with the other crows, and the crows also wanted nothing to do with him. So this kind of, I don't know, I had some question marks here. So was don't be a crow, was that Casey's way of saying don't join squad? No, I don't think it's his way of saying don't join squad. I think it's him trying to say, like, don't feel like you're better than everyone else. Because, like, squad because thinks... you're a firefighter. Well, no, because squad thinks they're, like, they're, like, he, you know, Casey says, like, they're these assholes. And so, like, that kind of think they're better than everyone else because they're squad. And so I think it's just his way of saying of, like, don't, like, don't get into that mindset and, like, don't feel like you're better than everyone else is my thought. I don't know. That's also a little fucked up if he's, like, don't go to squad because then we'll reject you, too. I don't think I don't know I think it's him saying like not that if you join squad we'll reject you too I think it's if you join you try to go join squad and they reject you then we'll I don't know it is fucked up the whole thing Casey doesn't usually speak on this deep of a level that's so. shit. 
That is some Bowden shit. <laughs> yeah. But Bowden's too busy in this one being like, girl, I'm a badass boxer. It's almost like they've yeah. all like switched. Like Casey is now the like wise philosopher and Bowden is, I don't know who Bowden, but he, Bowden is not himself. Or not, <laughs> Bowden is not the Bowden we've come to know and love. No, not at all. And so the scene ends with Mills basically telling Bowden that he's glad he has him to watch. And the line kind of like strikes Bowden weird. So I'm wondering if maybe in that moment, Bowden's like, holy shit, this kid reminds me of his dad. Probably. Probably. I don't know. So then we cut over to Lakeshore and Gabby and Casey join the rest of the house in the waiting room. So Casey spots the doctor and asks for an update on the girl from the bridge because he loves her and doesn't even know it. Yep. He totally does. It's so cute. He's like, Dawson, what's the girl's name from the bridge? And Shay's like, don't. Ugh, they're so cute. So, Brenda, take us through the rest of this. Okay. Yeah, so then Matt, kind of, I guess this whole thing with, like, Herman being in the hospital and stuff, it's got Matt thinking a lot. So he steps outside to call Hallie, which, they're at the same hospital. Why can't he just go find her? That's exactly what I thought. I was like, dude, why is she not mentioning, like, hey, I'm here? Why didn't he just think, I mean, she's a resident. Of course she's going to be at the hospital. Just go right. find her. Whatever. Anyway, point being, he calls her when they're in the same place. Whatever. And pretty much the whole conversation is just, like, Matt being like, yeah, you know, I've been thinking. And, like, he clearly, you know, he asked her, he's like, can you maybe find a reason to come over tonight? Which is his way of saying, like, I've kind of rethought things. And, like, clearly I care, I care about you a lot and, like, I'd rather have you in my life and not have kids yet than, like, you know, not have you. So, yeah, that's that scene. Oh, little babies. So, yeah, you can take us through the rest of it. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, and so then the last scene of the episode is, like, everyone kind of coming to the waiting room to, like, find out about Herman. So, Mills arrives as Blood Brothers by Bruce Springsteen begins to play. And then Severide soon follows in his, you know, typical Severide leather jacket, cool bro thing or whatever. And he and Casey have their second bro moment of the ship known as Sevesi. And they kind of share this, like, silent, you know, but so good, like, bro nod. Like, sitting, they're, like, sitting across from each other in the waiting room. And, like, you know, Casey, I think, does it first, and it's kind of his way of acknowledging that, like, Severide didn't have to be there because it's not someone who was technically on his company, but, you know, Severide being there shows that, like, the entire Firehouse 51 is a family and that they're all going to be there for each other no matter what company. Um, And then pretty much just the camera pans out to show the entire Firehouse sitting there together, and then we fade out, and that's the end of the pilot episode of Chicago Fire. So good. Yeah, it's really good. Ashley, what were your overall thoughts of, like, having now seen the pilot, having now discussed it with us? Like, what are your overall thoughts? It was a good episode. I liked it. It was, like, a good setup for the season. It was a good pilot. Does it make, like, does it make things more clear so far? Like, the few, and, like, plus the, like, two or three episodes you've seen after the pilot, like, does it make anything, like, more clear? Or are you way more confused now about everything? Like, how do you feel about these characters? No, I'm not confused. I mean, I can see how Dawson and Casey kind of get together now because you can see, like, the chemistry between them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
just keep watching. Yeah, just keep watching. <laughs> so crazy. Oh, that pilot's so good. I forgot how good that was. And like, yeah, just I forgot how good that pilot was. It is so good. And so, we, you know, we we did ask Derek a good handful of questions. He was nice enough to answer these for us. So some of the ones we didn't get to because, you know, we were just kind of curious about you know, generally the pilot, yes, but we were also curious about some other things here and there. So I know one thing that we asked him, you know, I was curious because, hi, big nerd. I just said, you know, when you're writing a call, what comes first, the location or the emergency? So, like, do they write the call and then find a location or do they find the location and then write a call that fits that space? And Derek said, you know, they write the call and then they find the location. And sometimes they're very, very specific. So that was interesting. Um, Brenda, take us through the next question. Yeah, so I wanted to know what the casting process was like. And especially, you know, having done a lot of interviews with a lot of people, like this is something I've always, you know, I always ask them about, you know, especially if they're, I'm talking about a specific project with them. Like I always like to hear how they got cast because for some people, you know, it's like nine months in advance. It's like the very beginning of like when the project is just an idea. And for some people, it can literally be like uh, the day before they're supposed to start shooting. Um, and so I asked, you know, like, was anyone added to the cast super last minute, like as in days before shooting began? And then, you know, sometimes this happened, like, you know, they shoot the pilot and then like people get recast because certain characters, you know, or certain actors portraying those characters, you know, don't vibe as well with like the audiences who have seen the pilot. Um, so then they'll recast it and like reshoot the pilot. Um, and so Derek said the first one cast was Eamon and the last one cast was Lauren. Um, he said they had a lot hard time finding Arshay, but Lauren came in at the very end and blew them away. He said, according to his recollection, like she, you know, joined the cast right before the read through. And then he said no one was recast after the pilot, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, you don't often hear that. Usually right. there's a lot of recasting. After right. The pilot. And there's usually at least one That's person like recast. PD. Yeah. PD recasted a bunch of people. PD basically recast everybody. Like Scott Eastwood. I'll never forget that. Yeah. <laughs> literally so, pretty much everyone. Yeah, liter- literally. I think the only people who they retained after that backdoor pilot, like Atwater was in it for like a minute. Um, Voight. Antonio and Voight. And that was well, it. And they, they killed Jules. Yeah, they killed Yeah, they, but, yeah, yeah. they killed Jules. Um, but yeah, that's what I was We'll talk about say. that tomorrow night. Yeah. So another question we had i asked him about you know what's the process when you're writing a character from another show in for a scene or two because you know in season two especially fire gets into that where they'll have a a pd character kind of cross over for just like a scene or two and so i said you know do you get to pick and choose who you want or is there a procedure in place for who crosses over when and he said you know for the most part we get to choose who we want but occasionally we'll have to switch characters simply because of production schedules he said, you know, we have to be smart about it because they're starring on other shows and we can't monopolize their time. So that's interesting that they can just be like, give me this person. Yeah. Um, and then I also was curious about um, the tension between Casey and Severed, you know, because, I mean, we've talked a lot about it through this, you know, recap. But, you know, it seems like it happened such a long time ago, like now thinking that we're in season six and they're BFFs and they don't fight hardly ever anymore. Um, well, they did this season, but... Prior to season six, it was a very rare occurrence when they fought. Um, you know, so I said, you know, obviously it's such a crucial part of the pilot and a lot of season one. And so the, I asked Derek, you know, like, what was the conversation like in the writer's room surrounding this relationship? You know, were they always envisioned envisioned as being as close as they are now? And he said, you know, one of the things you learn in television is that you can adjust your characters based on chemistry. 
and he said that Jesse and Taylor got along so well that we thought they should become better friends in the series, and he said, I like them better when they're getting along. So the bromance now known as Sevesi was almost not. Like, that was not envisioned. Could you imagine? Yeah, like, that was not envisioned. That was kind of something that, like, Taylor and Jesse, like, brought on. I can't even imagine what it's like without them being good friends that's kind of like what happened on royal pains which is a show that our friend jeff was a writer on hey jeff (laughs) um jeff dreyer of course from med but hank and evan on that show they were not originally intended to be brothers and then mark feuerstein and paulo costanzo they came did a read together or they, they did a read together basically and they were like oh my god the vibe between these two is amazing they have to play brothers so that's interesting that, you know, you really can't adjust it on chemistry and that the original plan was for Casey and Severide to not get along. Yeah. And I wonder, too, like thinking about just like other things that like, you know, where they start out as like enemies and then become better friends. Like One Tree Hill, like was it always planned for Nathan and Lucas to get along as well as they did? Or like were they kind of always supposed to be enemies? And like, I don't know. Could you imagine nine seasons of Lucas and Nathan hating each other? No. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't think the show would have lasted nine seasons if that were the case. Oh, no. It would not have. But, yeah. Man. Goodness. So, another thing that we asked, we said, you know, we haven't seen or heard anything about the Darden family since early on in season two. But yet, it was such a crucial part of the pilot and the first season. So, are we ever going to see them again? And Derek said, I doubt it. Sometimes storylines fade into the twilight. Which is sad because... It's A, not only just such a crucial part of, you know, the pilot in the first season and, like, even just, like, early on in season two. Like, it's such a crucial part of Casey's character. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of hard to imagine, like, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it for Ashley, but just, like, everything that Casey goes through with them, like, in season two and early on, um, to kind of think that, like, that's never even going to be, like, referenced or, like, brought back up. Like, I don't know. Like, it's kind of sad. No, but I mean, do you remember where they went? I remember. I don't want to, like, spoil it for Ashley. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Y'all can say it. Well, no. No, you, you have to experience it like we did. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm, don't they end up in Florida? Yeah. Yeah. But, like. So, I mean, hopefully they have, like, better lives there and they're happy. But, like, I don't know. I just, I just think it's such a crucial part of, like, Casey that, like, when mm-hmm. it gets to, like, that point for him and Dawson, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Oh, early season two. Ashley, I can't wait for your text from early season two. Yeah, keep watching so we can talk about it already. I'll get there next year. So funny. Next year. So, Brenny, you want to take us through the last question? Yeah, so the last question we had was we were just curious about, like, were there any funny, like, behind-the-scenes tidbits from, like, shooting the pilot that Derek wanted to share with us? Um, And he said, so the teaser of of the pilot had Casey talking a woman off a ledge. Much like the man in episode five this year. He said, we shot it using a green screen instead of a real building like they did this time around. And he said it never just, you know, it just really didn't ever look right. And he said that woman was played by Larissa Polonsky, whom they brought back as Otis's cousin Zoya instead. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, so, I mean, just a lot of interesting little tidbits. There's a lot that goes into creating a television show, which fascinates me i don't know about you guys oh, for but sure. i just yeah i soak that stuff up i'm like tell me everything and honestly we probably so could have asked like 10 more questions 20 more like we could these were just the ones we kind of came up off of our you know off our head yeah yeah so just a lot of interesting tidbits so 
Um, and of course, thank you for answering our questions, Derek. We appreciate it as always. Yeah, and for the fast um, turnaround too. Like for real, you, oh it my was God. like less than twenty four hours. Yeah. I was super impressed. Yeah, like Gina texted her, she's like, "Oh, Derek emailed us back." And I was like, "Wait, what? Like that was fast." <laughs> so great. But yeah, so thank crazy. you, thank you, thank you. You're so great, and we, yeah, just thank you. Yes, thank you very much. So, any overall last minute thoughts about the pilot that you guys want to throw in no just that you know it's weird to think that like this is what started everything that we know and love now and like you know without this like we wouldn't be here you know we wouldn't be friends and like we wouldn't be doing this podcast like it's just weird to think that like this is what started it all right and that it's been over 100 episodes like it's crazy to see how far this little show that could like came like it's you know nobody knew that it was going to be this huge like NBC franchise with like three spinoffs at one point like nobody saw this coming and like it's incredible it is incredible it is Ashley any thoughts I agree with what she said I like the pilot and I'll (laughs) keep watching more so y'all can say what y'all feel and you gotta pay your dues Ashley that's all you gotta pay your dues like (laughs) We suffered through the early days of Dossie. You have to do the same now. Although mine was a much more bridge suffering because I binge watched it, but yes. Yeah. Got to I'll get this. there. <laughs> so Soon. that is the end of our episode for today. Now, because we love you so much, we are releasing two episodes in two days. So <laughs> we will have a new episode for you tomorrow. And tomorrow we will be recapping the pilot episode of Chicago PD. So as always, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We're everywhere. It's meet us at Molly's. Email us at meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. DM us. Send us a paper airplane. We could set up like the tin cans with the string if you want. (laughs) However you want to get in touch with us, you can. So in addition to that, also follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. And Ashley. I'm at Ashnake095. And we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye.